0: Hey, everybody. Nick Espinosa, your chief security fanatic here. And it is Sunday, so we are doing Breaches of the Week. And actually, the last couple of weeks in data breaches have been absolutely through the through the roof. I think this is the full uh, breaches I've done basically in radio or podcast and video form uh, in quite some time uh, because of all the travel that I've been doing. But with that, I want to thank the following people that sent me a lot of this information and that would be Sander Sleidnerick, Jay Dance, and Jacqueline Wolf. Thank you very much, and please keep sending those tips in. And we have no time to lose because we've got a lot of ground to cover for the last couple of weeks. Everybody's hacking everybody, and we're starting in Northern Ireland uh, with the Police Service of Northern Ireland, or PSNI, a quote-unquote monumental data breach has exposed the names and ranks of all 10,000 serving police officers in Northern Ireland, with basically the body representing the force warning of, quote, incalculable damage should it end up in the wrong hands. Now, the PSNI has apologized for mistakenly sharing sensitive data in response to a Freedom of Information request seeking to understand the numbers of officers in its organization. Police in Northern Ireland, for the record, remain under threat and have regularly been targeted uh, just year over year due to the conflict over British rule in that region. I am not adjudicating uh, you know, Northern Ireland, <laughs> nor am I the Sinn Féin or anything else that's been going on on that island for decades. But obviously, this is a huge problem. And this breach comes just months after a serving North Irish police officer was left fighting for his life after being shot multiple times in front of his young son this past February. And so when you've got a police force that is constantly under threat, uh, you know, and again, I am not adjudicating that situation, that's a huge problem. And so hopefully... If you are in Northern Ireland, peace comes as soon and stays for as long as possible. Moving on, let's actually just head right across the uh, the channel right there and talk about the United Kingdom's Electoral Commission, because a hostile cyber attack accessing the data of 40 million voters went undetected for a year, and the public was not told for 10 months. So 40 million voters in the United Kingdom were not told for almost a year that their data had been accessed illegally. Now, the Electoral Commission apologized, for the security breach in which the names and addresses of all voters registered between 2014 and 2022 were open to quote-unquote hostile actors as far back as August of 2021. Now, the attack was discovered last October and reported within 72 hours to the ICO, or Information Commissioner's Office, as well as the National Crime Agency in the UK. However, the public only now has been informed that the electoral registers containing the data of millions of their information was accessible during that time. Now, the Electoral Commission said it was, quote, not able to know conclusively, end quote, what information had been accessed. It is not known whether the attackers were linked to a hostile state, such as Russia or a cyber gang, you know, somewhere else. We don't know, according to them. Now, the watchdog also said that much of the data was already in the public domain and insisted it would be difficult for anybody to influence the outcome of UK's largely paper-based electoral system, but acknowledge that voters should still be concerned. And obviously if they're on paper, essentially that's a thing i don't know if i don't know in the united kingdom and anybody in the uk please tell me if you're a voter do you actually have to show an id and validate who you are for your precinct or voting area before you vote here in the united states it's very hodgepodge compared to states but many of us do not have to show id we simply have to show up with our names and there you go so we'll see what happens there but heads up all you uk voters moving on i want to give you an update on move it because my god I I just, there are just, it just keeps getting worse. And I'm just basically going to call this I think MoveIt is the largest supply chain data breach in history with what I am seeing and have been seeing and reporting here on for months. But with that, let's keep moving because there are a lot of data breaches thanks to MoveIt. And so this past couple of weeks were. Oregon Health Plan for the state of Oregon for 1.7 million people. Michigan State University, the county of Allegheny, uh, Johns Hopkins had an update. They increased their number. That now stands at 310,405 individuals impacted. Uh, a new one is the Lumico Life Insurance Company. Vermont Department of Financial Regulation for roughly 42,000 of Vermonters. Indiana uh, University Health Uh, Got hit Florida Healthy Keys Corporation, U.S. government contractor Serco for over 50,000 of their employees, Radius Global Solutions, a debt collector over 600,000, Global Atlantic Financial Group, Bank of America for over 30,000, Hillsborough County for over 70,000, and Indiana Medicaid for the state of Indiana, 744,000. People, So we are talking about just an ever increasing It because everybody was apparently using this thing. And there you go. Fortunately, in our organization, we never were. And I'm glad we didn't. Moving on, let's talk about Colorado's Department of Higher uh, Education. Officials are continuing to investigate a ransomware incident that occurred between June 11th through the 19th, exposing student names, social security numbers, ID numbers, student ID numbers, and other educational records, according to the Department of Higher Education in a press release this past Friday. The department has already begun notifying impacted individuals. And basically, you can sign up through credit monitoring, free credit monitoring for Experian as a result of this. So heads up to you if you're basically in education in the state of Colorado. Moving on, let's head up to the Great White North and talk about Alberta Dental Service Corporation because a significant data breach compromised the personal information of about 1.47 million Albertans. And that is according to the Alberta Dental Service uh, speaking publicly this past Thursday. Now, in a statement, they said that certain Data from public dental benefits programs it administers for the provincial government was implicated in a recent cybersecurity breach. ADSC, that's the Alberta Dental, uh, learned that it was a victim of a ransomware attack and called in the experts to basically contain and remediate this. And here we are. The information that we know is out there basically is names, addresses, for some personal banking information, according to them. So if you basically are an Albertan and you go to the dentist, and I imagine you do, you might want to check in. Moving on, let's head down to the United States. And talk about the Missouri Department of Social Services. Now, the department identified a data security issue that happened with their IBM consulting platform in May of this year. IBM provides services to the Department of Social Services, which is in charge of the state's Medicaid services as well. Now, it is possible that the issue allowed unauthorized or uh, unauthorized people to access the personal information of Medicaid uh, participants, IBM applied software fixes and updates to that to fix this issue. So heads up to you, if you use Medicaid in Missouri, you may have an issue. And we're gonna move on to our quick mini segment, which is if you just spent money on defense, You wouldn't be getting sued. And obviously this week, we've got to talk about Tampa General Hospital because the personal injury firm of Morgan & Morgan has filed a class action lawsuit against Tampa General Hospital, accusing the nonprofit of losing control of its uh, patient-sensitive personal information in a data breach perpetrated by cyber criminals. Now, the lawsuit was filed late Friday in Hillsborough County on behalf of three patients who were among the 1.2 million whose personal data was compromised in this attack. It does not name them, but states that one had already been the victim of identity theft and another was a retired FBI agent. In the lawsuit, attorneys also accused the hospital of putting patients at more risk of identity theft by delaying notification of that breach for more than two months. So heads up to you, if you're a patient at Tampa General Hospital, you may be entitled to compensation. And if you're Tampa General Hospital, uh, an employee of them, All you got to do is just spend a little bit more money and educate and train and defend. And odds are you're not going to be out millions of dollars and impacting 1.2 million of your patients. And that ends that segment. It's a small week for that. But we've got plenty more. Because now we're going to be talking about Hub International, LTD. They said this past Friday they were hit by a cyber breach late last year and sensitive data relating to some of their employees and customers were accessed. The brokerage also said that it isolated the affected systems and it became aware of this breach on January 17th of this year and started an investigation by virtue of that and basically Uh, completed the initial data review last month. Now, according to the notice on their website, Hub determined that an unknown individual accessed portions of the website and opened and copied files between December of last year through January of this year. Now, affected data varies by individual, but we're talking about social security, driver's license, passport, financial account information, health insurance information, and medical information. And some, basically a limited number of Canadians were impacted by this as well. So if you use Hub International, heads up to Moving on, let's head on over to Chicago and talk about Lurie Children's Hospital. This is one of the foremost children's hospitals in the United States. Now, the personal data of about 2,000 Lurie Children's Surgical Foundation patients was leaked earlier this year following a security breach in their billing software used by that nonprofit. Now, patients affected by the breach saw Social Security number uh, basically leaked to a still unknown party along with their names, Dates of birth and address. This breach took place between March 29th through April 14th of this year. Affected patients found out on April 28th, according to their release this past Tuesday. NextGen Healthcare, the company that contracted to run the foundation's billing software, does not know uh, who accessed it, though forensic investigations are underway. So heads up to you, if you have a patient, which would be a child, in Lurie's Children's Surgical Foundation, and hopefully your data is okay. Moving on, let's talk about about the MHMR authority of Brazos Valley. I'm not sure where Brazos Valley is. I just honestly don't know. I forgot to look it up. Now on August 1st, Basically, uh, MHMR filed a notice of breach. Oh, Maine, Attorney General of Maine, or, well, actually, everybody reports to Maine, so it may not be Maine. Brazos Valley people, let me know. Anyway, a report to the Attorney General of Maine after discovered an unauthorized party was able to access certain files on the company's computer network. Now, in this notice, MHMR explained that the incident resulted in an unauthorized party being able to access consumer sensitive information, which included names, social security, driver's license, medical record numbers, Medicaid or Medicare numbers, medical treatment, diagnosis, information, uh, health insurance information, and more. They've sent out uh, notices as well to those impacted. Moving on, let's talk about Progressive Insurance. This is the major major insurance company here in the United States. I believe they're the one with Flow, right, on the commercials? Anyway, Progressive on August 1st basically filed a notice of data breach with the Attorney General of Maine after discovering that employees of a third-party vendor improperly shared their Progressive. Progressive access credentials with unauthorized individuals. In this notice, uh, Progressive explains that the incident resulted in an unauthorized party gaining access to consumers' information, which includes name, address, driver's license, email, phone numbers, dates of birth, and other confidential information. Upon completing their investigation, Progressive began sending out uh, individual notifications as well. 347,100 of their customers were affected. So, heads up to you if you use Progressive Insurance for all your insurance needs. Moving on, let's head on down to New Mexico and talk about the Department of Health. Officials with the State Department of Health said at least one of 93 personal uh, client files were found in a donated file cabinet at Habitat for Humanity, and obviously that's a huge thing. So in other words, somebody donated a filing cabinet to Habitat uh, to Humanity that had New Mexico Department of Health information files, like physical paper files in it. Now, through a uh, departmental official... A uh, official originally said uh, of the files, none of the files were medical records of clients. A department spokesperson wrote an email Wednesday that said the files, quote, did contain personal contact, financial, and medical information, end quote. So there's a bit of a conflict initially there. Quote, we are aware of one case that included a breach that went further than Habitat for Humanity. That's according to Jody McGinnis-Porter, communications director for the department, in this email this past Wednesday. Quote, this was discovered through the investigation that occurred Uh, July 17 through July 21st. This data breach was an unfortunate anomaly in how DOH handles sensitive information, end quote. And just, you know, pro tip there, if you're going to be, I guess, donating a filing cabinet to whoever or selling it, you might want to open it first and make sure it's empty. Just throwing that out there. Moving on, let's talk about the Hillsborough County uh, Supervisor of Elections. Now, the first sign of trouble in this, and this is actually an update because we're going to be talking about an example here, a man named John Stokes, because the first sign of trouble for Mr. Stokes was a letter informing him basically that his driver's license number had been stolen in a data breach as a result of the Hillsborough County Supervisor. Two weeks later, he then learned somebody was using a fake driver's license with his information on it very common scam. Now, Stokes was among 58,000 people that were impacted by there. And so now what they're worried about is obviously a fake ID making operation that are using actual names and driver's license numbers. So when the police see it and they run it through their computer, there you go. John Stokes is the one that's speeding, and John Stokes gets a uh, speeding ticket, as opposed to the person uh, who whoever is using it, and we don't know their name, obviously, but they're a criminal. And here we are. So there you go. Real quick, we've got an HCA healthcare data breach update. HCA has been disclosing, after you know, uh, or has been disclosing for a couple of months now, and all of this of their subsidiaries and 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 whatnot. And so this week, it's Oak Hill Hospital and in Brooksville and Bayonet Point Hospital in Hudson. Both both of those are in Florida So heads up to you Oak Hill and Bayonet Point Hospital uh, patients There you go, moving on Let's talk about hospitality staffing solutions, because on August 1st, they filed notice of data breach with the Attorney General of Maine after discovering an unauthorized party had accessed their network. Now, they explained that the incident resulted in an unauthorized party being able to access consumer-sensitive information, which included names, social security numbers, financial account information, and driver's license numbers as well. They completed their investigation. They started sending out letters to impact it as well, and we are talking about 104,660 people, so obviously not a good thing. Heads up to Hospital Staffing Solutions employees and customers. Moving on, let's head on down to Tennessee and talk about the Chattanooga Heart Institute, obviously in scenic Chattanooga. On July 28th, they filed a notice of uh, data breach with the Attorney General of Maine, after confirming a recent cyber attack compromised confidential information that was stored on their network. In this notice, Chattanooga Heart Institute explains that the incident resulted in unauthorized party being able to access consumers sensitive information, which included their names, social security numbers, mailing addresses, email addresses, phone numbers, dates of birth, driver's license, account numbers, account information, health information, diagnosis, condition information, lab results, medication, and other clinical demographic or financial information. In other words, If you walked into the building as a patient and sneezed, the hackers probably have it. Now, upon completing their investigation, they sent out breach uh, notifications as well to their patients. Now, let's head on over to Indiana and talk about Martin University, established in 1977. Now, a data breach at Martin University that occurred over a year ago is still unpacking quite a bit of their students. Martin University spokesperson said they have only been able to fulfill more. They have, oh my gosh, I can't even speak. A university spokesperson said it hasn't been able to fulfill more than 70 student transcripts since the data breach. In other words, you recently graduated from Martin University. You need your school's transcripts to show your brand new job or place of employment. And they're not getting them to you. Uh, basically, Martin University claims it has 675 transcripts request since the breach. Obviously, they've got 605 outstanding if they've only done 70. That means the breach was so bad, they are probably manually having to go back and actually recreate transcripts. So there you go. I'm wondering if they'll have a scam where somebody will say, yeah, I absolutely went to the university. Where's my transcript? And there you go. You never know. Scammers are scammers. So heads up to you if you are a uh, basically Martin University recent graduate moving on let's talk about the executive office and the patient and executive office and the patient and client council of Northern Ireland that's right we're heading back to Northern Ireland and they were reprimanded by a data watchdog for disclosing people's information inappropriately via email (coughs) now the executive office and the patient and client council both used bulk email methods to send messages on sensitive topics to multiple uh, to multiple recipients. The recipients saw full lists of people who were emailed about either gender dysphoria or historic child abuse. Gender uh, dysphoria is more commonly known as trans. You may know of trans people. Uh, that is essentially the the condition, if I recall, of, of what they have. And please, no hate mail on that, because I'm I'm doing that off the top of my head now. Uh, if I got that wrong, I apologize. The breaches were investigated by the ICO, the Information Commissioner's Office, and they said that 266 email addresses had been shared as part of bulk messages, and said, "quote This could be very distressing and potentially harmful to those affected." They included 15 people across Northern Ireland who the ICO said had quote lived experience of gender dysphoria," end quote. And obviously, medical records are incredibly sensitive, and you're talking about you know a community that is something like less than half a percent of the general population. And and oftentimes, at least here in the United States, we've seen them be targeted. So just be safe out there and hopefully nothing will come of this. But heads up, Northern Ireland, uh, you know, that's obviously a big thing. Moving on. Let's talk about the major travel technology firm known as Mondi because uh, they leak sensitive co- uh, customer data through an exposed Oracle Cloud database, which basically they have now since secured. Over 1.7 terabytes of data has been exposed in this breach, including customers' names, birth dates, gender, home addresses, passport numbers, and flight information. Most of which were from Mondi's travel agent platform subsidiary, Trip Pro, according to the researchers who discovered this. Now, further analysis by Tech crunch to verify this noted the inclusion of complete customer passenger name records credit card numbers and expiry dates none and i mean none of which had been encrypted so if you've used trip pro to basically get on a trip or whatever your credit card was exposed as was your personal information I'd probably stop using them for a while. Moving on, let's talk about Gunster, Yokely, and Stewart, P.A. That sounds like a very fancy law firm. They're based in Miami. I'm just going to call them Gunster. Uh, they, They have offices in 13 cities throughout Florida, and they announced they were the subject of a data security incident that involved personal information of some individuals, which Gunster obtained in connection with providing legal services. Now, the notice further alerted that the information, quote, could have included name and one or more of the following date of birth, social security, driver's license, financial financial account information, medical information, including medical record, numbers, health insurance benefit information, claims data, diagnosis, and treatment information as well. So heads up to you if you use Gunster, Yokley, and Stewart, PA, in one of their 13 Florida offices for all your legal needs. Moving on, let's talk about the retail chain Hot Topic. Now, Hot Topic is notifying customers about multiple cyber attacks between February 7th and June 21st that resulted in exposing sensitive information to the attackers. Now, in a breach notification, the company explained, that the attackers use stolen account credentials and access the rewards platforms multiple times, potentially stealing customer data as well. The company says that the investigation determined that Hot Topic was not the source of the credentials, but they could not find the source. Essentially, they are claiming a credential stuffing attack, meaning you have a uh basically you're using your email address and password that you're using for a million different places and you're also using it at Hot Topic. That got, you know, compromised. Somebody stole it in the dark web, whatever it is, and now they're just shotgunning that out and they happen to be able to log into Hot Topic because you're not using different passwords for different sites. And there you go so make sure you've got good passwords don't reuse your passwords and if your password for facebook is the same as your bank please go change it now i don't mind if you pause this go do that and then come right back because we are now on our finalies and we have two finalies for you today and the first one is china because something is going on with china's privacy laws now here's what's going on according to zdnet and i thought this was really interesting because it kind of flies in the face of how china's operated in the past now China has closed a record number of personal data breaches and is seeking public feedback on how to draft and and basically to to regulate the use of facial recognition data. That's interesting because usually the government simply dictates. Now, in the last three years, the Chinese police have closed 36,000 1,000 cases related to personal data infringements detaining 64,000 suspects along the way. And that's according to the Ministry of Public Security. Now, I find that to be really interesting as well because personal data infringements, if it's stolen... It's very rare that, that, that essentially we've got attackers. Now, China, uh, that we can find the attackers, oftentimes they're out of the country. But China, being an incredibly closed Internet society, remember the Great Firewall of China, maybe they have more information in, in terms of who's accessing who than we previously realized. Or maybe they're just rounding people up, as that government's been known to do. Just ask the Uyghurs. So I don't know. But that 64,000 seems incredibly high. I'm not saying they didn't arrest that many. I'm just saying that's a lot. Now, these arrests, though, were part of the government's efforts since 2020 to regulate the Internet, which saw more than 30 million SIM cards and 300 million illegal Internet accounts seized. And that's according to the state-owned media Global Times, citing the ministry in a media briefing on Thursday. So those are the numbers as reported by a state number uh, or a state publication. So... I don't necessarily know if they're 100% accurate. There you go. Now, the police have been investigating a growing number of criminal cases involving personal data violations over the past couple of years, with these targeting several industries, including healthcare, education, logistics, and e-commerce. Reported criminal cases involving AI or artificial intelligence have also been increasing, according to the ministry, citing an April 2023 incident. Which in which a con- uh, a company in Fujian, uh, there, that specific province, lost uh, 4.3 million yuan, roughly 600,000 US to attackers who used AI to alter their faces. And that's something that we are starting to see, you know, you're that CEO that's been seen on the news, and you're traveling, and now you're zooming in or using teams or whatever it is. And you've got basically a face filter to make exactly look like that CEO and you start, hey, ordering, hey, move money here, move money, there, deals done, and people are doing it. And that is something that we really have to be concerned about, but to date in China, law enforcement agencies have solved 79 cases involving AI face changing, according to them. Now, their their cyberspace administration of China, the CAC. Also, earlier this week, published draft laws that dealt specifically with facial recognition technology. It marked the first time nationwide regulations had been mooted for the technology, again, according to the Global Times. And I find this to be interesting. The proposed rules will require, quote, explicit or written, end quote, user consent to be obtained before organizations can collect and use facial facial information. Businesses must also state the reason and extent of data they are collecting and the use of that data only for the stated purpose. In other words, they are kind of following the GDPR in some ways here, but I'm pretty sure there are going to be set asides and carve-outs for the Chinese government because they've got cameras everywhere. I've been to China. (laughs) They've got cameras absolutely everywhere, especially in major areas like Beijing and other major cities. And so by virtue of that, you know, basically, maybe they just don't want the competition, uh, you know, from the large Alibabas of the world or whoever is supplying this technology when they are building a massive biometric database and have been for years, not just on Chinese citizens, but according to 2017 law on everybody as they're scraping TikTok, TenMu and you name it. Now, without user consent, no person or organization, according to this article, is allowed to use facial recognition technology to analyze sensitive personal data such as ethnicity. Religious beliefs, which I'm guessing would be like accoutrement, like a headscarf or something, um, you know, race and health status. There are exceptions uh, for use without consent, primarily for maintaining national security. There it is. And public safety, as well as safeguarding the health and property of individuals in emergencies and so yes the government can do what they want they are just cracking down more on what is a burgeoning private sector uh you know in china and so there you go the government is trying to maintain that balance and that control and essentially put those corporations in their place i think on that one uh while still gaining all information they want from those corporations so it's going to be an interesting mix we're going to see where that goes but finally And this is the last thing we're gonna be talking about today. We have new numbers on the state of data breaches thanks to IBM. Now, according to IBM's cost of data breach report, 2023 this year has set an all-time high record with the global average data breach costs reaching 4.45 million US a 2.3 increase from 2022 and up from 15 point, it's up 15.3% from 2020 again the pandemic exploded this and I've talked about that <coughs> excuse me at length now, the 2020 research conducted independently by Ponemon Institute and sponsored, analyzed, and published by IBM Security, studied 553 organizations impacted by data breaches that occurred between March of 2022 through March of this year. So one year. Some of the other interesting stats on this report are only one-third of companies surveyed discovered the data breach through their security teams, meaning two-thirds didn't figure it out that way. You know, they got noted, but notified maybe by a ransomware note or something else, but only one third were discovered by the teams. Another interesting fact, another 67% of breaches were reported by a benign third party or by attackers. I have personally gone to organizations when I find their data in the dark web and say, hey, do you know it's out there? Just, you know, heads up, FYI. Now, on top of this, when attackers disclosed a breach, it cost organizations nearly $1 million more per incident than internal detection. Identifying and containing breaches disclosed by an attacker required a mean time of 320 days, 80 additional days compared to breaches identified internally, and 47 days longer than breaches identified by a benign third party. And so, obviously, those numbers are, are completely, completely different. Now, organizations that did not involve law enforcement, did not get law enforcement involved, incurred an additional 470,000 in expenses on average, not just the ransomware, but obviously if you're involving law enforcement, they can oftentimes bring in experts as well, assuming they have the resources to help. About 63% of respondents said they involve law enforcement. The 37% that did not involve law enforcement paid 9.6% more and experienced a 33-day longer breach life cycle. Again, uh, you know, if your cybersecurity teams, I wrote about this. I wrote an article for Forbes late last year on this. If your teams are exhausted or not fully augmented and you're not calling law enforcement to help augment that, it's going to take longer, which means it's going to cost more. Now, finally, artificial intelligence. Can also help reduce cyber attack costs. Organizations that used security, AI, and automation capabilities extensively within their approach experience, on average, a 108 day shorter time. To identify and contain the breach. These organizations also reported a $1.76 million lower data breach cost compared to organizations that didn't use security AI and automation capabilities. We all need to start using security orchestration and automation and all of that. You know, the good and, and the best endpoint detection response or EDR, MDR, XDR, NDR, et cetera, et cetera. They're all leveraging artificial intelligence to understand behavior uh, way more than a traditional signature based antivirus. And so make sure sure that you've got good uh artificial intelligence in your life for security but i thought that was absolutely crazy so it was a very long uh, couple of weeks for breaches of the week but you're fully caught up and uh we'll keep on rolling and so i'll see you next time were you affected let me know and please like share follow me here on facebook and twitter at nick aesp and please feel free to subscribe to me at youtube as well and as always stay safe stay online and please attempt to stay private thanks everybody